0: Chapter Eighteen, A Fuel of Fire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fuel of Fire by Ellen Thornycroft Fowler. Chapter Eighteen, Wedding Bells. You came, then undiscovered lands sprang straightway into view you took my life within your hands and all things were made new so you too have taken to yourself idols and made merry and have forgotten the living god said rufus webb to michael arbuthnot one day when the vicar was calling upon his weird parishioner no mr webb i have done none of these things i have merely believed god's statement that every good gift and every perfect gift is from him and have accepted such gifts accordingly and do you think that he will permit his chosen servant and minister to put the love of women before the love of god he will not have to permit it as far as i am concerned replied michael with unruffled patience and there is one thing he knows as well as nay better than i do and that is that my love for a woman has taught me more than i ever learned before of his love for me it is only by loving one another that we learn anything of god's love for us beware lest you are crying peace where there is no peace and are imagining vain things i have imagined plenty of vain things in my time goodness knows but this one thing does not happen to be vain neither is it of my own imagining i uphold that of all god's revelations of himself to sinful man there is none that teaches us so much about him as our love for one another how can our love for anything besides himself be reckoned as other than idolatry asked rufus because our love for each other is not separate from our love for him but is a part of it just as the sparkle of a running brook does not detract from the glory of the sunshine but rather adds to it because they are really one and the same thing rufus merely shook his head and the vicar continued besides loving another person with a deep and sincere love gives us so much larger views of god's love for us when we feel how tender is our own love how we would rather die than cause the beloved one pain and what we would sacrifice to ensure the loved one's happiness all our petty doubts and questionings regarding god's dealings with us disappear we know that we faulty and imperfect as we are are nevertheless incapable of leaving anything undone which would ensure the happiness of that one living creature and is it conceivable that our love is a more perfect thing than god's love that he created being superior to himself nay we rather see that as we are each capable of caring for one other human being and only one so he is capable of caring for the whole human race otherwise we should be greater than he and the clay cannot be greater than the potter who formed it i fear you are comforting yourself with false doctrines but the vicar stood firm i think not to my mind the mediaeval ascetics and the puritans who in turn taught that human love was an evil thing did more than any other heretics in placing false barriers between man and god and in giving men incorrect ideas of him i cannot agree with you i only wish i could but how can you still go cherishing these delusive dreams when you see the ruin which overtook that young man known to both of us who had great possessions and loved them too well and rufus pointed out of his window to where the ruins of baxendale hall gleamed red among the trees he loved houses and lands more than god i loved my wife more than god and it please god to take from each of us the desire of our eyes at a stroke then learn the wisdom from our afflictions and take care that a like thing does not happen unto you for cursed is he that putteth his trust in man and taketh man for his defence and his heart goeth from the lord i think mr webb you are unjust in saying that baxendale loved his house and land inordinately personally i never met a young man who to my thinking put so true a value upon worldly possessions like his father before him he has one of the most refined natures i ever met with the word gentleman even in its most restricted and subtle sense would always be descriptive of lawrence baxendale and that most perfect and exhaustive portrait of a gentleman the fifteenth psalm is entirely applicable to him yet the wrath of god came upon him and burned down his house before his eyes i admit that his house was burned down mr webb but speaking with all reverence i do not see that the wrath of god had anything to do with it i have no patience with people who put down to god's account the evils which most distinctly are wrought by man then do you deny that the burning of baxendale was a judgment upon laurence baxendale or rather a discipline necessary to the saving of his soul rufus webb's excitement never much under control was rapidly getting the better of him he began to walk up and down the small room thrusting his hands the while through his masses of unkempt hair i do not believe it is anything of the kind said the vicar firmly though i hold that all afflictions by whatever agency they may be wrought will do good to our souls if taken in a proper spirit but i say that if any human being whatever the motive may have been set fire to baxendale hall on purpose that human being was guilty of actual sin and ought to make confession of the same no 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 not if Lawrence baxendale's soul is saved thereby it costs more than the burning of baxendale hall to redeem his soul we must let that alone for ever and we have no right to do evil that good may come but it is not doing evil to burn the accursed uh, thing it is not doing evil to destroy false gods and to cut down their groves "'It is doing evil to devote ourselves so exclusively to our brother's moat "'that we have no time for the extirpation of our own beams,' said the vicar, rising to depart, "'for he knew that argument was worse than useless when Rufus was as now in one of his fanatical moods. "'Good morning, Mr. Webb. Come up and have a chat with me at the vicarage whenever you feel inclined.' "'And with that they parted.' Nora, meanwhile, was holding a very different sort of conversation upon her prospects with Mrs. Candy, whom she had elected to go and see, while Michael was calling upon Rufus Webb. "'Good morning, Mrs. Candy,' she began. "'I hope you are very well. "'Thank you, Miss Nora. "'I am as well as could be expected, seein' as I had to get up extra early this morning. "'Why was that?' because candy's got a busy mornin before him killin a sheep oh can he kill a sheep how clever of him yes miss he can kill a sheep all right candy can there isn't much that candy can't do but he doesn't get the pleasure out of it he does out o' killin a pig and it's no use pretendin he do of course there are degrees of pleasure in everything no two treats are quite the same said nora taking a seat upon a chair which her hostess had just dusted with her apron for that purpose and so you be a-goin to be married afore miss nancy said mrs candy as soon as her visitor was seated well to be sure it do seem the wrong way about for the youngest to be married first i never could abide it i was always so glad as my sister Carrie was safely married when candy came a-courtin' me as i wouldna ha married before her her bein sixteen months older than me for anythin and yet it would ha gone again the grain wi me to give candy the pass-by well i am very sorry but i don't see how i can help it said nora penitently and as you say it is a mistake to give really nice men such as mr arbuthnot and mr candy for instance the pass-by it is miss and i ween not deceive you and her that will not win. she may tend to one dies an old maid or else has to put up wi a widower wi a family i'm sure i don't know what i should a done if i'd let candy slip through my fingers it would have been the death of me i doubt even now i sometimes dreams as candy's married to polly postern i'm still in service at overstrand and it gives me such a turn you can't think i'm sure it must yes miss it be a fine thing for a woman to have a man of her own to make up her mind for her and keep her clear of follies and the like i don't hold whim woman keepin single i don't they get all sorts o notions in their heads with no man to sweep away all the nonsense out o them there was my aunt mahatabelle as niver was married and she took it into her head to be an invalid if you please always enjoyin some fresh complaint as no sensible folks had ever heard so much as the name of and drinkin medicine by the gallon why no husband would a stood such rubbish and quite right too that is true mrs candy men do keep us out of all sorts of silliness then there was my aunt hepzibah she never married neither but with her it didn't run to health rubbish it took her in a religious way and she joined the chapel folk well there wasn't much harm in that said nora with a laugh satan might have found some worse mischief for her idle hands or rather her idle heart to do but mrs candy looked serious and shook her head he don't hold with chapel folk don't candy he says as if providence had meant folks to go to chapel instead of to church there would have been a chapel instead of a church in every parish and then chapel folk are always asking for money and what's the use of paying for a chapel he says when you can get to church for nothing oh but he's a wonderful clear way of putting things has candy you certainly seem to find him very convincing said nora dryly oh he's a wonderful clear-head candy has i often wish they'd got him up in london in the house of parliament when i read a bit of the papers and see what to-and-again work they make of it up there he'd soon teach him what for would candy what side would he be on liberal or conservative oh he wouldna take sides he don't hold with takin sides candy don't he just put his foot down on all that too, and again work and he'd have his own way or nothing at all eh but he's a grand one for having his own way is candy there's nothing double-faced or reasonable about him he don't hold with it then i don't expect he'd have consented to wait until your sister had been married first suggested nora not he miss not he replied his better half with pride when candy's aunts set his mind upon a thing you might as well try to turn the way o the wind as him he ain't the shilly-shallying sort as will listen to reason not he so i was thankful as carrie was safely wedded afore candy came a courtin' me and whom did carrie marry she married a man from our parts o the name of parker if when you marry you live all among your own people it don't seem quite so bad said she so she took up with parker she doesn't appear to have been as much in love as you were mrs candy for you came far enough from home when you married she wasn't miss and i'm the last to deceive you but who could have thought she would be seeing as it was only parker as she was a marrying parker was a decent man and a regular church-goer wid twenty-two shillings a week but he wasn't candy and it's no use pretendin as he was then you didn't mind coming such a long way from home like all women who are truly in love nora was interested in the loves of all other women not wi candy miss I'd- had gone to the very ends o the earth wi him and yet till i see him i'd never been ten miles away from overstrand and i daren not ha gone as far as yarmouth no not if you'd ha crowned me but candy made all the difference i understand that i'll be bound you do miss nora haven't been took that way yourself hey, but it's wonderful how a man do make all the difference after unst he's come across your way nothin niver looks the same again nor ever will he seems to get into everything, as you may say and to turn it all topsy-turvy nora laughed you are not very complimentary to the man to say he turns things topsy-turvy bless you miss you don't think as it's topsy-turvy it seems to you as if it was all topsy-turvy afore and that he's just turned in the right way up like a dream seems topsy-turvy and the awakening turns things the right way up nora suggested that's just it miss and you laugh at the dream when you remember how contrary it all was and how right everything is now that you are wide awake yes mrs candy falling in love is just like that the past is the dream and this is the awakening and it seems to me miss as dyin will be like that too it'll turn things topsy-turvy i don't deny but it'll be the right way up as it'll turn em and we shall laugh when we remember the topsy-turviness of this world, and wonder how we put a wi it as contented as we did i'm sure i wonder now how i could bear myself before i met candy it seems as if there could have been nothing to do and nothing to think about and i don't doubt as we shall feel like that when we wake up in heaven miss and see what bootiful things providence has provided for us up there but don't you often think it is strange that we haven't been told more about the next world and what it will be like said nora oh don't you go worrying yourself about that replied mrs candy soothingly it isn't done out o disagreeableness as you may say i feel sure we aren't told more about it because we couldn't understand it if we were why miss it's the same in this world if i'd been told when i was a little gal what happiness was is store for me in work and hard and hand and foot to make candy comfortable and being ready to lay down my very life at his feet if he wanted it bless him i shouldn't ha knowed what they was a-talkin about i thought that what i should want when i was growed up would be to have my own way and enjoy myself instead of which my happiness is in letting candy have his own way and enjoy hisself but it would all have been greek and latin to me if they ha told me that when i was a little girl, and too young and soft to understand it and i hold that it's like that the next world i do were too young and soft to understand it yet even if we was to be told so where would be the sense o tellin us well mrs candy i believe you are right and now i must be going said nora rising from her seat good morning good morning to you miss and may you be as happy in your marriage as i've been in mine and i can't say nothin stronger than that the gentry theirselves have been happier than candy and i have been i can't deny as sometimes i wish as the children had lived it would have been pretty to hear em call candy daddy and to see em a climbin' over his knees but the lord knows best what is good for us so we must just submit ourselves to his hand maybe if they'd ha lived they might ha come between me and candy and i couldn't ha stood that thank you mrs candy for all your good wishes and if only i make as excellent a wife as you have done i shall be quite content and so will the vicar or he ought to be bless you miss who could a helped bein a good wife to such a husband as candy one in a hundred as i often tell him and when all's said and done them as has husbands are happier than them as has none it's dull work being an old maid miss nora say what you will it's every woman's right to have a man of her own and them as has missed that has missed the best in this world. why if you've got a man o your own there's always somebody to be sorry when you are sick and pleased when you are about and busy and there's always somebody to listen to what you say and to show you what a fool you was for saying it and there's always somebody to find fault wi all your little fads and yet to like you all the better for em mark my words miss nora there's no love in the world like the love of the man who loves you as his own flesh and them as pretends that there is talks old maid's nonsense they do mrs candy i haven't patience with people who try to make out that parents and brothers and sisters can ever make up to a woman for not having known what the love of a husband means? Well, it don't, whatever them old maids choose to say. Why, Miss Nora, when my first baby come and I'd got the baby and Candy, I felt as no leddy in the land could be happier than me, because you see, there couldn't be anythin better in the whole world than a husband like Candy and a little baby as well in fact it was too much happiness for this sinful world so the good lord took the baby and is savin her up for me when i gets to heaven yes miss i sees it all now as plain as plain candy and the children was too much happiness for this life so the lord is savin up the children for the next just as we don't let our children have all their cakes and toys on one day but we put some by till to-morrow and then nora completed her farewells and went out into the lanes where she found her lover awaiting her early in october michael arbuthnot took nora burton as his wedded wife and great were the rejoicings in tetley accordingly the bridesmaids wore soft blue dresses the colour of nancy's eyes and no one to see her could have guessed how heavy with crushed tears were those apparently laughing orbs nancy really played her part very well just then and it was by no means an easy part to play to a proud woman the knowledge that her world regards her with pity is about as unpleasant a branch of instruction as she will ever have to master and nancy was fully cognizant of that particular fact just then though people in general did not know exactly what had happened they were aware that laurence and nancy had once walked and talked together and now they walked and talked together no longer and they drew their own conclusions accordingly which conclusions it must be admitted were not altogether wide of the mark as a rule the public blamed laurence as a fool for not taking the insurance money and marrying upon it for the fact that, owing to malicious reports, he had declined to accept the compensation to which his loss entitled him had become public property by this time. Nancy was quite aware of this. There was not much that the young lady was not quite aware of, but it is not a source of any solid comfort to a woman to know that her world condemns as a fool the man to whom she has given her life's devotion and yet do what she would she could not rid herself of her overmastering love for laurence baxendale she did not clutch her misery and make much of it as a more sentimental girl would have done on the contrary she hated it so much that she would have escaped from it at any price it was no pleasure to nancy to be unhappy as it is to so many women success was her role in life and she sorely resented having to play a part so sadly out of character with her preconceived notions of herself nevertheless go where she would and do what she could she was all the while conscious of an underlying homesickness for lawrence which time did not cure nor diversion allay i want him so i want him so she kept saying to herself and nothing else in any way appeased that consuming need yet nancy burton was a girl whom other girls condemned as heartless and shallow and whom the world in general envied rather than pitied and laughed with rather than cried over so penetrating and foreseeing as a rule is the judgment of a woman's world and especially of her female friends but she bore herself with a brave front and no one noticed that she was gradually growing thinner and paler laurence would have noticed it fast enough if he had seen her he had tried to crush his love but he was not yet as blind as all that but he went with lady alicia to stay at his uncle's soon after the burning of baxendale and did not return until the middle of the winter he had been so sorely wounded by the gossip about himself and the cause of the fire that for a time life in the neighbourhood of baxendale was insupportable to his proud and sensitive spirit and mr and mrs burton were so full of their second daughter's affairs and the new life upon which she was entering that they did not give much attention to their elder for a while so nancy faded away day by day and no one noticed no one knew one afternoon not long after nora's marriage mrs fairfax and her daughter were sitting in their entrance-hall as was their custom when the weather closed the verandah to them for a time and an ideal hall it was with its carved oak chimney-corner and its archways hung with costly curtains and its walls lined with the portraits of dead and gone fairfaxes at no season of the year was way's hall without flowers flowers in the rooms in the hall and on the staircase and in every available space certainly in this case when mahomet could not go to the mountain the mountain came to mahomet when mrs fairfax could not go to her garden her garden came to her so that it was always spring inside way's hall whatever ridiculous tricks the weather might be playing outside mrs fairfax had grasped the truth which so few gardeners seem able to master that a greenhouse is a means and not an end in the autumn and winter the flowers were born and bred in her numerous hot-houses but that was merely for educational purposes as soon as they reached perfection they were brought at once into the hall and there made happier by their beauty and freshness the lives of mrs fairfax and faith and by always living with flowers these two women imbibed some of the nature of the flowers by which they were constantly surrounded the brightness and freshness of the plants entered into the human being and made them thereby better and truer women for time and for eternity my dear mrs fairfax remarked after a few minutes silence apropos of nothing but her own meditations laurence baxendale is a fool oh mother what a thing to say it's the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth laurence and his father were always fools nice well-mannered lovable fools i will admit but still fools of the finest water the sort of fools whose folly is always getting between their own feet and tripping them up faith sighed. yes i think poor lawrence's mistakes always tell against himself more than against any one so did his father's some people's omissions are always on the debtor side of the account and never on the creditor's side they forget what they owe to other people but never what other people owe to them but the baxendales are the very opposite of that their blunders invariably tell against themselves and their undertakings always seem to turn out badly somehow yes the gift of success was withheld when the fairies presided at the baxendale christenings as a rule there are two means by which a man may attain success his own competence or the incompetence of his fellows but neither of these means has been of any use to the baxendale men and yet they are splendid men in their way mrs fairfax shrugged her still shapely shoulders huh i suppose they are cast in a somewhat heroic mould but they are the sort of men who always put their money on the wrong horse and identify themselves with the losing cause in the time of the reformation the baxendales were romanists in the time of the commonwealth they were royalists in the days of the georges they were jacobites and i feel sure that in medieval times they were often nearly converted to hebraism by the frequent persecutions of the jews but all that merely goes to prove their glorious courage and loyalty faith like all very amiable people had a strong strain of obstinacy in her composition i think it often goes to prove their stupidity baxendale hall like oxford has always been the home of lost causes and impossible beliefs and personally i'd rather live in the homes of governing majorities and established churches it is more comfortable and less draughty but men must have their ideals mother and servants must have their beer but there is such a thing as beer money my dear child which does indeed and is often both more convenient and more profitable to all parties concerned and then the baxendales are all so truthful and honourable persisted Faith, far too much so they tell you truths that you'd rather not hear personally i hate people who always tell you the truth who wants to hear the truth i'm sure i don't it is always so humbling and humility is the most depressing virtue out though all virtues are more or less lowering and less taken in very small quantities faith smiled dear mother what things you say well i mean them at least i do now and then but the baxendale trick of truth-telling really does depress me and makes the perpetrators of it so unpopular too if you want people to be in love with you you must begin by making them in love with themselves and then the desired result will soon follow but few people have learned this elementary truth least of all the baxendales well still there are people who love even the baxendales my dear there are people who eat coal and slate pencil and enjoy them i never legislate for exceptions but i own i sometimes wonder if little nancy burton is one of the exceptions who love laurence baxendale faith shook her head she may and does i think like him but it isn't in her to love anybody nancy is a dear girl full of life and high spirits and is a most delightful companion i always feel that a sight of her is like a breath of mountain air on a stuffy day but hers is not a nature capable of deep affection yet faith had got over her love for laurence baxendale and nancy was slowly dying of it so do the saints of the earth sit in judgment upon their more human sisters well i hope you are right for any woman who loves lawrence will find life a perpetual lent both as regards doctrines and dinners trust a baxendale for finding out an altar on which to sacrifice himself and everybody belonging to him all the baxendales have keen noses for a sacrifice and then as i said before i can't stand their way of putting one out of love with oneself and the ex-beauty tossed her head in disgust faith was amused poor lawrence seems to have annoyed you certain plain speaking i am accustomed to and can stand for instance no man ever went to another man's house without saying that the shrubs wanted thinning that there was too much window-room everybody is prepared for plain speaking of that kind and nobody resents it but what i can't stand is when people show up all your little ignorances what does it matter whether a woman is ignorant or not as long as she has been good-looking and is still well dressed yet lawrence once quite corrected me for not knowing the difference between addison and pope as if there really was any difference that mattered it is a pity that lawrence has so taken to heart the absurd gossip about his burning down his own house for it was very absurd said faith thoughtfully i should think it was and showed an utter absence of knowledge of the merits of the case as if any baxendale would ever do anything either wrong or right that in any way redounded to his own advantage it isn't in the blood i wouldn't breathe a word to any one but you mother but i always suspect poor old rufus Webb of having set fire to the hall in a fit of religious frenzy though how he managed to do it from the upper story i can never conceive he would imagine that by doing so he was saving lawrence's soul i know you think so my dear but i don't think anything of the kind i have my own ideas as to how baxendale hall was fired faith looked surprised whoever do you suspect mother dear for goodness sake don't go repeating what i say and sending your mother to prison for libel but my impression is that no one did it on purpose then do you agree with mrs candy that lawrence himself did it by accident no my dear but i think that those tiresome little burton boys did mrs fairfax could never quite forgive any other woman for having borne sons while she herself had only had a daughter oh mother how could arthur and ambrose have set fire to baxendale hall mischievous boys will find a way of doing anything that is troublesome and naughty i don't know how they did it but they did do it i have no doubt with their nasty bonfires and sacrifices and things i found them offering up a sacrifice one day in the lanes and it at once struck me how baxendale had been burned but it is proved that the fire began from the inside and the boys couldn't get into a locked-up house said faith they could do so as well as that web man could and you suspect him it is only an instinctive sort of a suspicion i cannot for the life of me see how he could do it much less how those little boys could they might have climbed through a window suggested mrs fairfax but the windows were all shut and the shutters fastened then perhaps they stole the keys and let themselves in my dear i don't pretend to say how they did it but that those boys did do it i repeat i haven't the shadow of a doubt chapter eighteen